Now Contour from Cox gets you right to the strange stuff. Something's coming. Noble stuff. The crown must always win. And the funny stuff. How awesome is this place? Along with the best stuff on cable. Because Netflix is now on Contour. Where you can get all your fierce, bold, and bingy stuff all in one place. Contour from Cox. Now with Netflix. Available to residential customers in Cox service areas. Cox Internet and a Netflix streaming membership required. Visit Netflix.com forward slash terms of use for more details. All the conditions apply. What's up, everybody? What's up, John? Hi, Karen. Good morning, everybody. got a pretty voice. Wow. Good morning, everybody. This is Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude. It's good to see everybody. Welcome everybody listening right now on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes. Good morning. And of course, Mike Rose, my man. Good to see you, brother. Um, Welcome, Facebook. Welcome, YouTube. It's good to see you guys this morning. So much to be grateful for, and I'm going to try not to get emotional, but as I shared on Facebook on my personal page earlier to, uh, tomorrow, and like now it's, uh, now my math sucks, but uh, basically like in 32 hours, my daughter, my 18-year-old daughter will be here in San Diego and uh, starting a life here, and I... <laughs> I'm forever just wowed uh, sometimes by God and not sometimes a lot a lot um, been praying for this for a long time and uh, the moment is finally here so my daughter um, who really to be honest with you I have not had not seen a lot of her since I had custody of her when she was young and um, she's now back in my life and she's going to be here in San Diego and have a have the opportunity to go through the um, Ascension Leadership Academy. I'm going to be able to be there with her as part of the process. And um, and then she's just going to be here and hopefully start a life. And it's so cool. It's so freaking cool. So I'm so grateful. I know several of you. Thank you, Carlos. I know several of you. Good morning, Aaron. Dr. Garcia, good to see you. Several of you, I know, had been praying for, for this moment for me. And I just want to say thank you for your prayers because they were answered. Um, so, thank you guys very, very much. This is going to be a fun show. I, um, as you know, guys, oh, golly, this good crowd today. That, that's right. Cradle, my man. Um, Ellie, Nicole, good to see you. Brian Mount, good to see you. John Whitwood, Jimmy the Ninja, Dr. Garcia, Ellie. Wow. Good to, good to see you guys. Wow. Thank you so much for joining today. 
Um, all right, so here's the deal. So as you guys know, I had the opportunity to host or co-host an event, the uh, World Entrepreneur Awards, and um, got to meet a lot of amazing people, but probably one of the most amazing people I met is going to be our next guest. Um, and as I said, this is Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude. It's brought to you by Anton J. Are you looking to get create predictable, sustainable income? Anton J. will make your business better and you get the credit. If you or someone you know has a business who is not meeting its potential or does not have the infrastructure to support its growth, please call 619-394-6725. Anton J. has been described as guardian angels because they fix the past and safeguard the future. On today's show, uh, we have Vita Jafari. Is it Jafari? Did I screw it up? Did I say it right? No? V oh, God, she's going to correct me. I, I read a lot this weekend, and you think I would have figured this out. Golly. Anyway, Vita has been active on the Tinseltown scene as an award-winning actress and voiceover artist. This comedic powerhouse is best known for her appearances on the television comedies Mind of Mencia on Comedy Central, Jimmy Kimmel Live on ABC, and The Mindy Project, formerly on Fox. These projects cap off a number of successes for the versatile starlet. She just wrapped up a supporting role in Nation's Fire, which will be distributed by Universal opposite two-time Oscar nominee Bruce Dern, Emmy winner Gil Bellows, Lauren Landon, and UFC champion Chuck the Iceman Liddell. Her other film, the much-buzzed-about Holy Terror opposite Mel Novak, Bruce Lee's Game of Death, Black Belt Jones, and Christine DeBell, who was in Meatballs and The Big Brawl. Holy Terror is climbing up the charts and is number 11 on Amazon Prime UK. She's gotten local, national, and international press from this project and was billed as the Persian Linda Blair from her work in this role. I didn't know you were Persian. Vita also shot Hybristophilia? Oh boy, I said it right, I think. With Quentin Aaron who was in The Blind Side with Sandra Bullock. She has a recurring role in the three-time Peabody Award-nominated suspense show on Sirius XM Radio. Vita is also a multi-award-winning journalist and blogger of her self-titled fashion and beauty blog. That's where you got your style from. Uh, you can find that at sovriavita.com. That's S-O-V-E-R-V-I-D-A.com and has been bestowed awards by the City of Los Angeles, the West Los Angeles Chamber of Commerce, the World Network's Entrepreneur Award, and Excellence in Media by the Los Angeles Hollywood Film Association. The Wind International Film Festival, the, Universal Multiple, the Universe Multicultural Film Festival, and the Lucky Strike Film Festival, among others. My goodness, woman. She has received journalism and research grants from the National Journalism Center, the Woodrow Wilson Center, and the U.S. Institute of Peace. Vita got her start in fashion journalism covering the retail beat for the Dow Jones Newswire. Ever the fashionista, Vita recently graced the cover of noted fashion magazine FVM Global Magazine twice, as well as Shine on Hollywood Magazine and First Class Magazine, and was quoted about her knowledge on red carpet fashion for the Oscars. Holy Moses! I'm exhausted, Vita. You're going to have to carry the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, my friend, Vita, who will tell you how to say her last name now. <laughs> how do you say your last name? Uh, good morning. It's Gafari, like Safari. What'd I say? 
something similar. You were very close. Oh You're my! Very, very hard to play Smith and Farsi. So uh, yeah, but I'm very you know talking about gratitude and morning gratitude. I'm very grateful to be on your show. I was uh, first of all, I'm grateful to you uh, and for hosting such a great event. I was honored to be a presenter of. Secondly, grateful to, for Luzine Karibia, the founder of the World Networks, because if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have been in touch with you and had this wonderful opportunity. Also, we had Mother's Day, so I guess I'm very, very grateful for my mom. I wouldn't be on this planet if it wasn't for her, and she's very supportive, and support systems are very important, also to my sister as well. And I'm grateful for the technology that I could, you know, link in with this with you, even though I'm so slow, I didn't get it. So thank you for all your help this morning. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, we have, th this is, this is pretty cool. I didn't know that you were Persian, first of all. My brother, uh, or I guess it would be my sister-in-law now, she's Persian, and they just had their first little Persian boy. Um, oh, oh, he's stinking adorable. Oh my gosh. So I want to, like, I'm getting completely off topic here, but... So I'm assuming you, your family's pretty tight-knit. Oh my God, extremely. So much so. I mean, they've been in the U.S. a long time. My dad immigrated here in the 1940s, but yeah, we're all about like the family unit. That is, what is the deal? Like I've noticed this. So his first wife was Lebanese and then now is this well, his wife. He really likes Middle Eastern ladies. Yeah. Well, I mean, I from my, my impression of it is that they're extremely... That culture, the women in that culture are very loyal and they're really, I mean, just strong and of course they're feisty too and they're Persian princesses as well, but they're strong and and it's, I've just been so blown away by watching the family dynamics and how, how loyal and supportive the family is. They fight like, my God, you guys fight, but you stay together. Like what is the secret to that? Where you guys can have, and I'm not, I don't know this about your family, I'm assuming based on, I, a lot of my friends are Persian and from the Middle East, and like, they fight, but they fight hard and they love hard. It is amazing. How do you keep, how does that, how do you guys keep from breaking apart? Because some of those fights are brutal. You know, I have to say, it's very challenging for me because I was born and raised here on the East Coast, so I'm not like a West Coast Iranian person. Oh. Uh, not the fancy schmancy. But um, <laughs> I would say that I think it harkens back to like the tribe thing. You know, we're like a, we're tribal people. Right. So um, I think that's probably part of it. And it's like, you know, respect your elders and it's all about the family. And I think older cultures are like that. Like I have friends that are Asian. I have friends that are, you know, Latin, it's it's the same, but yeah, I think with all the feistiness, we just make it work. I think because there's so many of us, yeah, you know, and it's we just have to get along with each other. But it's funny you should ask this because I didn't know this for the longest time. My family is from like the oldest, one of the oldest tribes in the Middle East. It was before Islam, so um, I'm always running into relatives. And it's strange, like if I meet another Ghaffari, we try to figure out how we're related because it's like Smith and Farsi. There's so many of us. Maybe your sister-in-law might even be a distant relative of mine for all I know. It happens to me all the time. So I think when you have a family unit, I mean, mine must be an exception. When you have a family unit so large, you're bound to like have to get along with everybody no matter what. And there's always going to be disagreements and feuds and, you know, it's a lot like those uh, soap opera shows, but it's, you know, everybody works it out in the end. That, that is, to me, that is, it's, it, it's, it's beautiful because I think that American culture, we lack, we lack that. Like, I almost wish we had more of a tribalism, but 
like people like Jason Cisneros who just popped on, you know, he has a, a tribe, and like we've all, we've formed our tribes now. But from what I'm seeing, it's not really a lot to do with family. It's more about business and the people. These this is the tribe I'm going to go change the world with, where it's outside of our family for the most part that we form these tribes. But yet in the in the Middle Eastern culture and the Persian culture, and you know, it's tribe family, and it's. Yeah. I mean, I have to be honest with you. I, my family, I don't have a big family. I'm super close to my mom. I'm, 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 I'm getting closer to my brother now that he's back. He's in Miami now. And, you know, but it's not big. And I have my stepdad who I'm close to. But now that my daughter's come back, I feel like, oh, I'm going to kind of get my family back. But... never get to have an 18-year-old daughter. You must have had an early start. It's really good skin. Um it's good skincare. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how, but I do. Um, so, but my, my point is, is that I crave that family dynamic is, is so important. And I think that when we are, are seeking our tribes, and I don't even really know what my point is, but it's, we now are starting to see more people create these tribes, but there's nothing quite like a family tribe. I, I just, I think it's inspiring and it's beautiful. And I've always loved that about the Persian culture as a whole. So that's that was my point. So now let's make this about you. You are you you you've, you've been very successful in actor, but I I knew that you were a success, successful actress, but you're a female comedian. Well, you know it's it's a, it's a tough spot for women in comedy, and I'll tell you to be honest, I did stand up for a quick minute, and it just it was not for me. Uh, it's very hard as a woman stand-up. It's very hard as a Middle Eastern stand-up. So I was more of an improviser. Hold on, I want to. I want to. I want to back up real quick. So why I get the female? I'm I'm a big fan of comedy and the art of comedy and the, the backstories. Women do. I want to make for the audience that doesn't know. Women, it like if you hear about female actresses in the Me Too movement, no one gets it yeah. worse than female comics. Female comics are just the most disrespected. They're like, they're like treated like dogs. They really are. Because I mean, I've, I've listened to a lot of comedy shows. They don't like female comics. There's very few. Like you have to earn it in ways that men don't. I mean, men bomb suck and get you know made fun of. They get hazed. But it's for some reason that culture is rough on women. Do you know where that came from? I think because it's such a male dominated field, maybe, or it's just. You know, it's in the clubs, stand-up comedy it is. It's, it's the clubs and the club mentality. And I mean, have you ever seen a kind of guy that runs a stand-up comedy? But I will say there was Mitzi Shore, who's um, Polly Shore's mother. I, I don't know her. Laugh Factory, but, um, right? You have to be strong. Yeah. Yeah. Even she used to be strong, uh, you know. So uh, I guess it's a culture of uh, old-school guys. And, you know, it's crass humor. And I gravitated much more to improv. I was a UCB alum. And, UCB, one of the founders was Amy Poehler from SNL, so that oh, was very wow. sketch comedy based. So that's, you know, I was I, I went all the way up to level five. But I'm going to tell you, as good as it was, I feel like I did it, you know, a little later in life. Uh, a lot of the guys in it were 22 years old, fresh out of USC. They were in the same comedy troops for four or five years. Wow. So I would always get the stock character of the sister or you know the you know the aunt or the boss lady, and I feel like they had their own language with each other. I don't mean to be mean because you know you're a lovely fellow, but it was a real bro culture. You know they had the skinny jeans and what are those sneakers they all wear? The, uh, 
the Jack something, the Jack, you know what I'm talking about. Like they, what I'm trying to say is they were bookmark, they were um, Xerox, it was Xerox, it was Xerox with the skinny jeans. And, I mean, they were great guys, but it's just they had their own fraternity of comedy. That's probably why it's the way it was in the in the stand-up comedy world. It's like a frat system, you know? Yeah. Well, it, and Jason just said he's doing his first stand-up this week. He's 46 years old and he's just now getting into it. What kind of advice do you have for him? Gosh, I think go to any open mic night that you can, and uh, not to be a cynical woman, but don't get discouraged, because uh, in open mic nights, all the audience, I did not know this starting out, they're all uh, comics. So um, I guess, and try to bring as much material as possible. I have friends that are very successful stand-ups, like they have shows on Netflix and Showtime and the whole thing, but a lot of times it's like regurgitated information. And I think they're trying out their acts for us, you know what I mean? So keep it fresh. I, I have so much respect for the ones uh, that I cannot repeat for skinny jeans. <laughs> That's a good one. Especially if you're doing improv and a citizen for you. But anyway, so um, just keep the material fresh because I like I go with my friends that are not in entertainment, like my lawyer or, or other, you know, professional people and they're even shocked that these people regurgitate the same information and I'm not going to name names but these are nationally and internationally well-known comics so I think it's always good to have like oh it's great to test material you know but I think it's always good to have fresh material and I love it when um, stand-ups riff off the audience because that shows that you're like a true improviser. I mean, you can memorize your lines and be funny, and I believe me, stand-up is hard. But for someone that can interact with the audience, that's gold. I think all the best stand-ups are the ones that interact with the audience. Like Dave Chappelle does it. You know, all, all the greats do that. So, of course, go for it. That's super cool. I'm, I've always been fascinated with the culture of stand-up comedy and just the backstories. The the whole tears of a clown. You know, so the, the funny guy always has this really painful past and the darkness that they they deal with and so we've lost some really great um thank you nungluck for joining from thailand good to see you um but we you 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 hear their story there's people from it's so cool this is what i love about this platform there's people from all over the world here it's it's super cool um but the the back like brian regan for instance who's a clean comic He's you. He's got a painful life. I mean, his child, like his upbringing, is rough. I mean, and you hear these stories, and it's so compelling to me how they use humor to, you know, kind of hide their pain. And it's almost like, can you be funny without hurting? Comics. It's very dark, and I'm like, it's just so strange. I thought it was going to be like happy, cheery, you know, sunshine and rainbows. No. So what about you? Are you sunshine and rainbows in your in your life and in your upbringing, or what? I think I'm sunshine and rainbows, but I think I'm probably a little cynical because I'm a, like an East Coast uh, woman, <laughs> so I don't know. But uh, I'm a little sarcastic. But I think I'm not a stand-up comic. Uh, my lunches with stand-up comics, I always thought, ooh, hang out with a stand-up comic. No. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be negative. There's there's some that are very positive. Like, I've seen Bajra Brani, and, and I've interviewed him and he is just always happy and he's a family man maybe that's very important maybe some of them are just I'm sure that maybe the I, a lot of the ones I met are just the dark dreary ones but I think when people make observations about life 
you know, maybe they look at it more intently than most people. You know what I mean? When you're observational, it's just, you know, par for the course, especially in the, not to get political with the times that we're living in. Sure. And I didn't, I know you're not a stand-up comic, but what I was wanting to do is because you went down that road and then ended up in improv and then as an actress and doing voiceover. So what I was wanting to segue to was how did, like, what is the difference in preparation for doing improv compared to comedy? Like, how do you prepare mentally for improv? Because to me, I actually, it, stand up, it's so hard to be funny. Improv, it takes, I, I it just this, I, I, I've watched it and I'm fascinated with just how off the top of your head you can, you know, just create a character and you go into it. How, what's the different mindset in preparing, in your opinion? I think with improv, there's different schools. Like Second City, I believe, is um, uh -huh. character-based. Um, so Groundlings is really character-based. Like, you know, get out your wigs and your costumes character. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true. But I part of me wishes I would have gone the Groundlings route because that's kind of my, my deal is I have many costumes and wigs. And, you know, for my comedy, not, you know, for, for any, anything else. Of course, I have great Halloween costumes. But that's besides the point. Where I went to improv, UCB was about the game of the scene and gauging the scene. And I think as an actress, hi Bonnie, I think as an actress, it's it's a great thing, or an actor, it's a great tool to have because a lot of auditions are improvisational. A lot of shows are improvisational. And I think with improv, um, it's all about agreeing, and yes and. And I think it's good to do the game of the scene because you really, it propels it forward or it can propel it backwards. But I think it makes you more on your feet. And since I was a journalist, it was a great skill to have when I was doing interviews on red carpets. And um, yeah, improv is awesome, Aaron. I, I loved it. But um, I think it's a great skill because you have a limited time. And when I was a journalist, it's not like I was at the top of the carpet with like Entertainment Tonight and I don't know, it was the Access Hollywood. I was at the end of the red carpet near the tree with a low rent Telemundo whose name I won't list, uh, and I was barely trying to get a question in. So I think it's really important to be fast, fast on your feet. And I'm not kidding, I kid you not, and the improv really helps. So, so, so you're not asking them, oh, what are you wearing for the 50th time? You're asking them a question that you did research on, and you're, you know, you're embellishing it with improv, and, and you know, just trying to propel forward with the interview, right? Like, right. I think in comedy, improv is very important too because it's all about the beats and the timing. I mean, stand-up is great as well, but I think uh, just having that the beats down, it, it's very important. It's timing is so important. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of listening to. Li oh, that's really? Like but it is. So that's kind of like acting. So I, I, over the weekend, I got to MC another event, and I got to meet uh, Bernie Dorman from CEO Space. And we were talking, I got, I, it was such a blessing to get some time alone with him and visit with him. And he talked to me about, well, he was talking to him about my show. And then he suggested that I should get acting classes. And I'm like. Very personable, Josh. Great host, might I add. So totally. Me? Yeah. Well, he wasn't saying that because of being a host. He was saying that because of my desire to do a show. But thank you. I'll take that compliment. Um. But I, I was sitting here, the way that you're talking about preparing for improv sounds a lot like you're preparing for just acting in general. Is that true? Pretty much. I think it's very important to have, especially, I'm not really a commercial actress, though I'd like to be. Uh, you're probably a lot more commercial than I am. But I think in terms of 
it's all improvised. A lot of times that people don't know this, but when you're acting, you're auditioning for a commercial, you just give a reaction shot. And I used to joke, am I willing to take the 405 freeway at four o'clock on a Friday? You know, that's the true test if you want to be in this business. You're willing to go all the way to Santa Monica at 4 p.m. on a Friday to do a reaction shot because, you know, the 405 freeway is one of the worst commutes in the country. I mean, I'm willing, but, you know, for a reaction shot, that just goes down to what you look like. If you're what the company or the, you know, I've gone in on uh, so many, uh, what is it called, callbacks, and it's it's obvious it's a looks thing when it's down to like how you're going to react to your boss getting mad at you for not having to report in, or you know, I remember once it was like a, it was for a certain kind of, well, I guess I could give it away, it was for Cheetos or something, and the wall was like full of Cheetos outside my office window, so I had to react to the Cheetos wall. So I'm thinking. This is not one thing based on talent. It's based on type. So I think it's it's just random. A lot of it's type, you know? Like, maybe you'll be cast as, like, a boss or, you know, the all-American dude or, you know, the guy's guy. I think branding is very important. And for me, my situation was, yes, I am Persian. And, yes, I did all the, you know, the veiled hijab roles. But those veiled hijab roles will only get you so far because those women are not known for talking. So, um, and, uh, oh, good morning. (laughs) So uh, it's a lot of uh, nonsense I'd have to deal with. Like, I'd book these great roles, and I'd have these wonderful monologues, especially when it was comedy. And a lot of times the lines would get scrapped because, you know, women that are covered aren't supposed to be talking. And so it was just a conundrum. I was in, I had a, it's funny, I had a whole car load a truckload of different veils I'd bring with me on auditions. And then for a while, it was so unnerving because I got so used to wearing the veil in auditions that when I was not wearing the veil, I felt like exposed. So I had a lot of uh, talking about gratitude. I mean, I'm very, you know, exactly. Or shoot you. (laughs) But anyway, so I was locked into this hijab game. I had all sorts of, I'm a little fair skinned, and you know, it's very stereotypical. Like Middle Eastern people can't be fair skinned. So I had all these different foundations I would wear. This is so politically incorrect to darken. Bring it. I don't care. But then I darken up my hands and like, you know, my neckline. And then what if it's a 100 degree day? And I thought, you know, this is not why I'm doing this. It's great to make my insurance and get my health benefits. So I really enjoy the ethnically ambiguous rules. I think what I'm getting at, Josh, is you have to really be associated with your type. Uh, thankfully, you don't have to like, you know, wear uh, foundations. You just go in as you are. But I think it's about your representation. And I think they just wanted to get me, and I, I don't fault anybody, I think they just wanted to get me through the door. So I think my advice would be, know who you are, know your brand, know your type. You know, you're not going to go for some, I don't know, uh, you're going to go for like the guy's guy. You know, if you if you do pursue acting, you're not going to go for like, you know, some wussy guy. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm just going to play myself, actually. Um, there's, the he, he pitched, I don't want to share it. Um, but I'm actually really, really excited about it. And so I just having the opportunity to learn, but I would be playing myself, but like a amped up Hollywood, Hollywoodized version, um, of, of, of my, of my story is what they're looking at. He's suggesting that I do. 
instead of doing a talk show. Now, obviously, I want to do this, but taking my story and going Breaking Bad with it, <laughs> which I didn't, I, I didn't get the opportunity to tell him, because if you ever meet a Mr. Dorman, you, you learn pretty quick that you just listen and just let him talk because the flow is amazing to like watch it happen. It's one of the coolest things. But like I, I, I listen and I go, oh, that sounds freaking amazing. But what I didn't get to tell him was my story was like Breaking Bad. <laughs> so it's like it was pretty freaking scary. But whatever. I, I, I've just been blessed to have some opportunities to what now? You're truly an inspiration. You're very humble. I'm so glad Muzine found you. Oh, well, thank you. I Listen, she was a blessing. I, I, I found her all of a sudden again on Instagram, and I reached out to her and go, hey, do you want to be on the show? And the timing worked out, and then literally that day she goes, hey, do you want to host the award show? I'm like, when is it? She said, tomorrow. I'm like, holy crap. Oh my God. I've never done this before. I don't think she knew that I had never done it before, but the good news is I got invited back. So that... <laughs> That's a blessing. And then, might I add to the listeners and viewers that don't know, like 30 people got awards that night, so I don't know how you made it happen so quick. But, like, you know, you, you speak very well, you're very well spoken. But, like, if that was me, I'd be like a chicken with my head cut off. Because, like, so many people, I mean, but they were hardworking people, they all deserve the awards. But there was fitness people, fashion people, you know, people that are business CEOs, people that are in insurance. Like Luzine, I gotta give her props. She, you know, really picks out. You know, LA is a city of Hollywood. There were Hollywood people too, but it really was the Oscars of entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I, I act like it was from like every industry. So you, were, you guys were really busy, and you made the flow. It was very smooth. It was the best entrepreneur awards I've ever been to, and I've been going to them since this inception, I believe, in 2014. So wow. I think. You did an incredible job. Usually it's like the Oscars, it's very long. But you made it like, wow, this is over in time. I can go home and it's not like midnight. And I'm not faulting Luzine, she does a great job. It's just recognizing other business people in a city where they don't really get recognized unless it's show business is a insurmountable task. And she makes it happen and you made it happen. So I'm excited for next year. Well, I, I am too. I'm excited for Dubai and Tokyo too. Um, and having the opportunity to be a part of that. So I'm, it's, you know, it's all, yeah, it's all the whole, the thing is, is that we now live in a world where you can do everything. You can be in TV and film, you can host a radio show, but you can also be a business person too. You know, it's, yeah. It, you can do whatever you want. You really can. And, and really, it, even as an entrepreneur now, you have to brand yourself and put yourself out there like you are a celebrity now. Like you get to pretend to be a celebrity because essentially you're, that's how the only way that you can stay ahead of the game is by putting yourself out there. Like, so tell me. I think, I think you're doing everything and I think you're doing a great job of it. I think, um, I think anybody that puts themselves out there, they deserve it because it's such a, it's such a tough industry, and just to get a foothold in anything, I think that's why a lot of people stop doing it. It's like every, I, I remember going to one comedy show, and it was very funny, because uh, this girl is like, you know, and she was being honest, she's like, don't denigrate somebody because they booked a web series. Do you know how hard it is to, you know, even book a web series? I think it's a very hard business, and the fact that you're forging ahead so quickly, knock on wood, is a testament to, to, to you and, and how inspiring you are to people. But, you know, I've got to be honest, it's a, it's a 
a very tough business. I had a terrible, talking about gratitude, I had a terrible health scare right before the Entrepreneur Awards. I wasn't even sure I was gonna be a part of it. Um, there was five days where I, was many weeks where I didn't know what was wrong with me, many doctor's visits. At, at one point I had a terrible, the problem is when you don't have a diagnosis, I had a terrible eye infection, I had another situation that was terrible. And then I went to all these doctors and they're like, we can't help you. I went to two urgent cares, and I'm only saying this because it's a show about gratitude. I went to two urgent cares and they're like, I'm sorry, we can't help you. And uh, after all this, I, I, I went to one doctor, he was a specialist in theaters, and I'm like, what's wrong with me? He's like, we're gonna have to do all these tests. And by that point, I had spent so much time, energy, money, because uh, insurance isn't what it used to be. And I said to the doctor, well, how are you gonna diagnose me? He's like, you know, it could be the C word. Dun, dun, dun. So for five days, he did so many tests, it took five days to get the results, and it was over a weekend. I said to myself, and this is gonna sound kind of hokey, you know, regardless of the outcome, I'm gonna live my life. I take care of my mom. So I was thinking, God, I have to be in a good mindset to take care of my mom. You know, what, I don't know what's wrong with me. Thankfully, it was only a kidney stone. But my point is, and like, you know, a bad eye infection, but it, was, it all came down to me at once. Nobody knew what was going on. So my point was, I was gonna live my life any way that I could. And at that moment, in those five days, there was, those, there was like a health fair at the local mall. And I signed up for all these things. I won like uh, different, I mean, I've done kickboxing before, but I won like a slew of kickboxing classes, aerial yoga, I'm like, I'm just gonna do oh, all fun. this stuff. Regardless of the outcome. Thankfully, there was nothing wrong with me, but I'm almost like Jim Carrey in the movie Yes Man. So if somebody presents me with something, I'm gonna do it now. So I thought it was very interesting that soon after all this happened, I should have you run into you hosting the Entrepreneur Awards and I should be on this show because I'm filled with nothing but gratitude. Uh, nothing but gratitude. I mean, there's only a person can only be so down and so uh, cynical when you realize it's just a lousy kidney stone. I mean, it was so small they couldn't find it. But my point is that it was a lesson to me of, of appreciation and just going out there. Because sometimes, you know, you can be in this industry and you can, it's like oh, the thing with the 405 freeway that I mentioned, you can just get so tired of it. And you can get so, so many things that I've screen tested for and I've been on a bail for. It's a very, it can be very frustrating and you get in your head and once you get in your head, you kind of lose the artistic oomph of things. Sure. But I think this was a really good lesson for me. And I mean, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Uh, but it, unless it was like, you know, a terrible, evil, spiteful uh, person. But I, you know what I mean? It's a, but it was, it was a real uh, affirmation of, you know, just continuing with things and, and living life and, and enjoying life. And, and you're such an inspiration. So, you know, it's, it's great to be on the show. And uh, it's funny, I uh, recently, in the throes of my illness, <laughs> I did a film. This was towards the end of it. It was called Horn Dogs Beach Party. And it starred, uh, it was written by it written by Mike Reed, and it was uh, directed by this amazing young director, you're gonna hear so much about him, Dustin Ferguson. And it stars a lot of screen queens, uh, Rick Stevens from Slumber Party Massacre, Donna Lee Heising, and Troy Froman, who was in Saved by the Bell. So it's like a, it's a lot like- Wait, what character on Saved by the Bell? He was like a bully guy, I forget the name oh, of the okay. character. He was recurring on Saved by the Bell. He bullied Screech a lot. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the big guy, and he's lovely. He's, he he uh, runs his family's deli in Santa Monica, Froman's Deli. I used to go when they were in Encino. So it was great to meet Troy. He was amazing, and, and to work with him and the others was great. But I, you know, I, 
it, it was during my ailment, so when I was on set, I forgot. You know what I mean? I didn't, so it's, it's great to have, it's great to be in a field where you can, you know, have a simulated reality and, and, and just get away from things. But I really enjoyed Horn Dog, and also you mentioned Nation's Fire, uh, written, directed, and produced by the amazing Thomas J. Churchill, and it stars, you know, two-time Academy uh, nominee, Oscar nominee, Bruce Stern, Emmy winner Gil Bellows, uh, Lorraine Landon, UFC fighter Chuck Liddell, and most of the cast of Sons of Anarchy was in this one, so that was a great experience. I can't really reveal much about my character, but I really enjoyed working on that film. It's a great ensemble film. It's a wonderful film about female empowerment, family, uh, the society that we're in. Uh, Churchill is very on the, on the ball. Every kind of his... Every movie this man has made has been a different genre. He's done horror, he's done dramedies, he's done deep, dark drama, he's done you know patriotic films, he's done action films, everything under the sun. So I really look forward to that. And also, um, I'm reoccurring on XM Satellite Radio's suspense show. So I really love doing voiceover. And I'm happy to talk to you and your listeners about voiceover. And yeah. I think of all the careers, Probably for me, it's been the most enjoyable. Yeah, I, let's talk about that because, ooh, echo. Um, echo. God, I hate that. Uh, I don't know why it just happens randomly. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, I met. I got to meet Dan Clark the other day, and he was telling me about voiceover work and how that is. Like, they have agencies. Like, the major agencies in Hollywood have a voiceover division. Is that true? Yeah. Yes, they do. And they have really nice booths. And a lot of my friends in voiceover tell me that the celebrities have a separate um, area because they have, you know, they're so busy, you know, being, you know, A-listers and all that they, they can't sit around and wait to audition because, you know, you have a booth director. You, you know, a lot of people do it from home. For auditions, but a lot of people like to go in and see their agent, and you know, you know, do the whole talky talk thing, and you know, hang out with their agent for a bit and do the audition and be directed by their session director. So there's that. But um, I came across voiceover in an interesting way. I was a reporter for a Persian TV station. It was international TV on satellite TV, and I would voice, and it was not religious, not political. Like I said, I was covering the red carpet events, like a Persian E channel, if you will. And they liked my voice, and I would voice their uh, promos in English and in Farsi. And I often joke that I would do twice the work for half the pay because, you know, it's not like it is in America where, you know, people are unionized. And there's no union affiliation, I believe, for this kind of thing. This was before I was in SAG even. But uh, I started putting a reel together, and then they had me do an infomercial about some baby product. I think because I had... Uh, unaccented English that really helped but then after that I got into voiceover I got a voiceover agent I will say it's it's funny the times we're in Josh technology makes it great you can record things from home you can do your own demo reel from home if you're industrious enough but the competition is steeper it's very controversial there's all these sites that you can go on and get jobs for $50 $100 jobs that used to be union and then when that happens, there's a big divide because then there's celebrities voicing commercials, voicing animation. So a lot of my friends that are top voiceover artists, it's challenging for them because they're competing with celebrities. 
I do okay with voiceover, but I don't really, I guess I could knock myself out more. But my point is that it's, it's kind of leveled the playing field, but it's also devalued a, a career, a trade, a skill, if you will, because so many people are willing to do it on Craigslist for $20, or whatever website whose name I won't mention, for $50, $60. Jobs that used to go for thousands of dollars. Wow. So there's that too. Double-edged sword, double-edged sword, as with everything in life, you know, but it's one way, I'm, on one hand, I'm glad that people that never have the opportunity have the opportunity, but on another hand, it kind of makes it harder, you know, so there's that. I want... I want a voiceover agent. I, I I think it's time for me to voice some commercials or cartoon. I agree, and um, so we'll talk about that after. <laughs> yeah, I would like I would like that. After this interview, but you know I put I'm together frozen. a handy dandy, and this has been on my mind, and it's interesting you bring this up. I put a handy dandy guide about getting into voiceover that won't you know break the bank, if you will, and I'm happy to to send that to you. I might even make it a blog post. And I'm happy to send that to you and, and get that going to you. Uh, and then maybe, you know, you can share it with your viewers. Because I feel like we have a wonderful art, artsy crowd tuning in to listen. So uh, happy to help on any, on any way that I can. Am I frozen on your end? It truly is an inspiration. Can... But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting business. I really enjoy it. And I think what I've really enjoyed uh, is doing ADR looping. Uh, and ADR looping, for those of you that don't know, is you know when there's a crowd scene uh, in a movie, like they're in a shopping mall or something? That can be very lucrative. It's very hard to get into. It's one of those things where you kind of have to know people and you have to be very on point, but it's also very improvisationally based. And believe it or not, uh, I really enjoy doing that. So uh, that's one of the things that I do, but I've also done a lot of, uh, what is it, narration, industrials. That's a great way, Josh, to get into the business. Commercials are great, uh, but you've got to, doing those jobs, you know, when you're reading a lot of copy, it prepares you for the jobs with very little copy. Why so, am I frozen? I recommend looking into industrials and, you know, just anything you can do to, to further yourself along. Why am I frozen? Can you see me? Can you hear me? Hello? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm frozen. <laughs> Can you guys hear me or see me? Please tell me. I'm frozen. Dad gummit, hold on. Hold on, Dad gummit. You know, you gotta love when this happens. I'm live. Yeah, you're live. Oh, hold on. Am I live? Um, <laughs> Improv. She's talking to you. No, keep talking. You're live. You are live. Oh my gosh. I'm talking to you. Oh my gosh. This is retarded. You're live. You can keep talking. Can you hear me? Uh, so yeah, I think industrials are a great way to go about uh, 
doing, I think industrials are a great way to look. Are we back? I think industrials are a great way to go about starting out the business. Uh, one thing I really like voicing is uh, audiobooks. The opportunity doesn't present itself much. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Uh, so Oh my god. Hey San Diego, are you ready to go by bike? Join thousands of commuters on the morning of Thursday, May 17th for Bike to Work Day and roll by one of 100 pit stops. For more information or to register, visit iCommuteSD.com.